0: Three, two, one. Hey, Jilly, we're back. It's Friday, October 30th. Um, we've got a great show for you uh, guys today. And this is another podcast that is. Um we're going to be presenting specific drilled-down information It's uh, on listing rules, like specific rules that you need to follow when going on a listing appointment. And the this is a follow-up from the show that we did uh, yesterday. We were talking about your your prayer, your, your essentially pre-listing routine. And I know a lot of you guys really liked it because yesterday's podcast had a huge amount of listens and downloads and streams. So what we're going to do is we're going to focus today on drilling down and getting really into, and this information, by the way, is uh, in our book, Harris Rules, but we're going to really be drilling down on the exact steps as you, you know move closer to becoming a powerful listing agent. And our vision for all of you is that you are a dominant listing agent. And that is something that all of you guys can create. That is something that all of you guys can do. That is something that you can all learn how to do, You know, essentially just by following our system. You don't have to wait forever and you know have to suffer through working uh, with buyers for years and waiting around for those buyers to become sellers. The thing that most people will tell you how to do, you don't have to do. You don't have to worry about trying to figure out all these gimmicks and whatnot, how to make things work. You know, speaking of gimmicks, Julie, Mm -hmm. and guys, I'm not being political. I was just listening to something on a podcast, and the podcast was talking about. Um, how all these social networks, uh, you know, Twitter in particular and Facebook, how they're editing information or how they're essentially, you know, deciding what people are going to see and not going to see. So you can post information there, but it's probably not, you know, if it's something that they deem inappropriate. And again, I'm not being political. What it did is it underlined the importance of you never being dependent on third parties to essentially generate your business. Because as I was listening to this, because I didn't really understand how insidious the, um, the squelching of speech has gotten on these social networks. It's just crazy. Whether you're conservative or you're not, or you're you know liberal or not, it doesn't matter. It seems like there's an equal amount of reasons to distrust the media and specifically the social media. Well. As I was listening to this, I just got to thinking, how is this not exactly what a lot of you guys are starting to experience in your social media efforts and not even really putting the pieces together? This goes back to essentially what Julie and I have been um, asking all of you guys to do since social media really came online about 12 years ago, which was treated as what it is, which is strictly a hobby, not something that's going to be at the pointy end of the spear to help you generate business. Why? Why? Because let's say you do become very proficient at generating, you know, obviously mostly buyer leads from Twitter, just picking an arbitrary, you know, social network. Well, then Twitter decides to change the algorithm or the rules, and the next thing you know, all your effort and, most importantly, your sole source of lead generation or one of your own, you know, if you're doing other social networking stuff too – you're cut off, you're done, you're out of business. And that's what has traditionally happened to all these agents and obviously people in general and businesses in general that are over-reliant on third parties to generate their business for them. I mean, look what happened. Like, nobody talks about Yelp anymore. But Yelp is one of those things that has been shown countless times to not be the friend of the small business owner. I mean, really, there's no other way to say it. And by the way, those of you who are in eXp Realty, you should seriously consider utilizing the fact or taking advantage of the fact that you work for a virtual brokerage. When you work for a virtual brokerage, Yelp then, by their own terms of service, cannot have a Yelp page for you. There is no real upside in allowing um, Yelp to have a page that will, in some cases, work against you on their their website because what happens is if you have a Yelp page and it used to be better business uh, period, you know, all these other things. Someone could go up there and post information that's totally inaccurate about you, and you cannot get it removed. The only thing you can do is basically play by their rules, and then they love it when you go in there and you refute what somebody said, because then it just creates more clickable links and more SEO value, and then that becomes the story of you forever on the internet, and that's something that is ridiculous, that that's even legal. Well, it's because of this little clause that the you know, media companies carved out, specifically the tech media companies carved out years ago, that makes it so they're not liable for any of the uh, comments on their websites. And I had I had a coaching client. I shared this story before, but it's important that you guys remember that. Um, you know, don't overinvest in these social networking things. Don't overinvest in anything other than proactive lead generation is going to be the takeaway. But I'm going to tell you guys a story about a great client I had in um, California. So he had a competitor, he had two things happen. One, he had a competitor go on to Yelp and basically post a bunch of salacious lies about him. Um, and two, he had an a lady who was uh, disfa- a dissatisfied a uh, seller who had unrealistic expectations and she made up a bunch of stories that were that were compiled or I'm sorry that were um, you know essentially pulling from these bad comments that this competitor was making all right so the guy's name is stacy so he had all of this you know years and years of goodwill in the community and it was all just being evaporated because of yelp well i wanted to figure out how do i help him get the page to go away how do i help him to basically prove that these facts were lies because they were mostly you know they were lies and i think that they were provable lies uh proved to be lies with not much effort um so I started digging into it and see he did as well. And it turns out there's no way to do it. In order for you to get Yelp to remove something, it's even wrong, even a lie, you and, ha- and
1: post it anonymously sometimes too, right? Yeah, Aren't to- you able to do that? Yeah, yeah.
0: of course. People can yeah. post and like if you don't have a bunch of reviews, positive or uh-huh. negative, the fake ones are gonna show up first. And yeah. that's what happened with him. And, and so you know you can you can try to game it a bunch of different ways you can you know ask people to post a bunch of positive reviews and all the rest but what Yelp does is they'll put up the reviews that are going to essentially get the most clicks and views and whatnot because ultimately of course they want to try to sell that business owner advertising and the advertising is designed to essentially offset whatever the negative reviews are so ultimately it benefits all these entities not to remove the negative because the negative it was is what gets the eyeballs there's been restaurants that have been put out of business because of this kind of so what happens is that he then said, I don't want to have this, you know, lie out there about me. What am I going to do about it? He then has an attorney and I found, you know, articles about this online too. call Yelp and Yelp said, you have to sue us. You have to literally sue us and then we'll give you the information for the, um, the user. We'll give you the user's ISP, internet service provider, and you know that sort of digital identification information. And then after you sue them, and they have, obviously, this is a systematized thing they have in place because it happens a lot, then you have to sue... The ISP, or you can request it. I guess in some cases they'll just give it to you. But then you have to, you know, take more action, spend more money, then to find out who the actual user was who posted all that stuff through Yelp.
1: And that's just finding out who they are. That's not even doing
0: anything. And then exactly, and then you have to actually sue whoever it is. You guys get the insanity of all of it.
1: I I can't. I mean, all of what you described to me doesn't sound like it should be legal. You're being forced to spend money to defend yourself against lies. Where they – you don't even know where they came from.
0: And it's and the craziness is, of, of it is that they're protected legally. These social networks and Twitter and all these guys are protected legally. Um, and so why would you choose to participate when you have essentially adversaries that you're trying to essentially align with you? It's sort of like the literal, you know, the the wolf in the, chin, the hen house kind of situation, right? The fox in the hen house. And as soon as you start doing business with these guys, you become beholden to them. And that you can see in our industry how that's happened with um, Zillow. I mean, so many agents out there have only basically uh, know to buy leads. They have never learned how to proactively lead generate business. And so they'll defend Zillow even though they could clearly see Zillow has it out for them. But they don't have, they don't feel like they don't have a choice. So they keep on spending money because they've never taken the time to learn how to be proactive lead generators, which, you know, circles back to the fact that if you're going to operate like that, you're never going to be free. You're always going to be beholden. So I would strongly encourage all of you to see the social networking and see the, you know, the yelping and see all this other stuff for what it is. It is a trend that will come and then it'll go. And the, the, it is on its way out. All of those things are going to morph into something else because of the fact that people do not trust the information. And you, you know, the first people that will change where they... Oh, look at... Uh, what's that silly dance thing that... TikTok. Uh, TikTok, right. So you all saw TikTok and there were coaches and trainers out there that were teaching agents how to use TikTok to supposedly brand build. And then it turns out TikTok was, you know, somehow maybe, you know, connected with a communist government and TikTok (laughs) may have been removed from uh, being able to, you know, have new uh, content posted. I'm just thinking to myself, how many agents out there spent how much time and money creating TikTok videos, thinking that they're going to generate business after a long period of, you know, creating TikTok videos just to discover one day that it was all, as Tim and Julie have been saying, an enormous waste of time and absolutely ridiculous to even consider in the first place. And, you know, so yeah, that... Podcast I was listening to this morning really got me thinking about how really incredibly um, you know insidious some of the things are that people do and and it all it always goes back to me feeling uh, honestly it makes me feel responsible overly responsible perhaps and also a little maybe I don't know what the word would be but sad because I know there's mm-hmm. agents out there that would have had potential. To get into the business and be great be great small business owners really have long-term successful careers and then they basically decide to hitch their wagon to bad or dumb ideas and then next thing you know they've wasted months and years nothing's really happening from it and then they're you know they maybe in some cases figured out that they followed the wrong path and they kept following the wrong path believing whoever it was that got them on the path in the first place that it'll eventually work doesn't work um, they then begin to lose, you know, financial control. They then fail out of the business, and the next thing you know, they blame themselves. That's where, that's honestly, what breaks my heart is when you guys follow these dumb ideas, and it doesn't work like it was promised, you know, to work. Because frankly, you didn't do the work to determine that the idea was a gimmick to begin with, and then you then blame yourself ultimately for not having had whatever it is, skill, the talent, the drive, the mindset. Was a lot of you guys get stuck in that rabbit hole too. Um, you know, to succeed. And that's that's really the insidious part of all these gimmicks. The bright, shiny objects, everyone says, and they're right that agents are attracted to them because they think they're going to help them avoid doing the real work of real estate, and that's true. But that's not the real reason the bright, shiny objects are uh, essentially evil the real reason is is because they ruin your potential they ruin your ambition they ruin they take time away from you where you could have been using that same amount of time to learn how to do the real work of real estate how to be of service to other people how to create something significant from your you know from your real estate career
1: yeah i mean (laughs) how many distractions are there in that whole bucket of uh the bucket of misery basically is where you're, you're headed for so I don't know. I, I think it, the best policy is to just not participate in that and do the things that are proven, duplicatable. You know, yeah, it requires skill, but uh, nobody can shut you down because you'll always have your skill.
0: Do you? How often have the words come out of the uh, mouth of a seller saying, I'm not going to listen to you because you did not have videos on TikTok? I said no one ever. I said no one ever. How often has a seller actually said to an agent, I'm not going to list with you because you are not posting on Twitter?
1: I don't think anyone said that ever. Said no one ever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. No. But, fact, uh,
0: fact check. True. Exactly. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. So that leads us to real things, okay, that uh, we, we comes out in coaching quite a bit. And I always encourage when you are on a listing presentation and you do not end up with the listing, they, list, they chose somebody else, you have to find out why. Because I guarantee you it can be cured with the Harris Rules. I mean, that sounds like an arrogant thing to say, but but they need to know why it was because oftentimes it's not what they thought.
0: So you're saying something, and I know we're going to get to our points here in a second. But one of the most important things that we hope they understand is that when you – failure is not a bad thing, you know, and you want to fail often – Uh, as fast as you can so that you can get those failures past you right you want to that's the only way to learn really right that's how you learn you learn basically now you can lessen your failures and or lessen the you know the pain from your failures if you follow another a a proven path but ultimately fear fear of failure fear of rejection you know those are manifested from or man they those things become essentially the essentially wasted future but really what matters here is what we hope you take away from everything we always say is that if you want to really get at the root why you are or aren't doing something, why you did or didn't get the listing, it's because of you. It's not because of anything external. You, and I know this is more of a mindset point than it is really maybe in reality in a lot of ways, but the truth is, is you have to take ultimate responsibility for everything good and everything bad that happens to you. We talk about this book in our, this example in our book or you know maybe on the podcast, that if you're like, if you take the... Give me an example of something there's no way you actually caused to happen to yourself. Let's say, for example, it was you get in a small fender bender, you know, you're parked perfectly in a parking lot, everything's great, and some lady or man or whatever pulls out and absolutely, you know, just taps your bumper, nothing bad. But it's going to be a hassle, you know, you got to get the bumper fixed, the whole thing. Well, now, that is clearly the fault of the other person driving you know, erratically, recklessly, not being careful. So on the surface, you could start basically allowing yourself to feel like a victim, but that's where you lose control. What you need to instead look at this as, I chose to be in that car and that parking lot, park in that spot at that moment, and, and I contributed almost equally to the car accident or to that little bumper thing than the person that actually hit me. Now, I know that's extreme uh, way of looking at essentially accountability, or that's an st- extreme way of looking at not of allowing yourself to be a victim. But if you look at life like that in general, you will always be empowered and you will always be learning from everything that ever happens to you. And you'll never feel like a victim. You'll never allow yourself to feel like somehow you are out of control. So whatever it is that happened, why you didn't get that listing, here's a suggestion for you. You didn't get that listing because you screwed something up. You didn't get that listing because the seller chose somebody over you because you weren't good enough to earn the listing, not because of any of the other reasons that realtors usually rationalize losing. You know, it wasn't because, and maybe some of these things were true. Maybe the seller did have a relationship with that agent. Maybe the seller, you know, did have um, higher price aspirations than what you were willing to commit to. All that might be true, but the fact is, is that other agent did win the listing away from you and you are responsible for not having had the skill set. That despite those obstacles, despite the fact that maybe the seller and you weren't on the same price, despite the fact that the seller had a relationship with this other agent, you should have still won the listing. There are no excuses for not taking a listing. Period. Full stop. Nothing more to talk about. So what we're talking about on today's podcast is the listing process rules. And it's really important that you guys write these things down. They're right out of Harris Rules. Before Julie gets to the first point, I want to remind all of you that it's not too late for you to join the free coaching program. All you have to do is text the word... Um, you know, we're about to change it to 2021, but text the word survival to 31996. Text the word survival to 31996. One of the first things that you, we want you to do as soon as you get the text back, uh, you're going to get we're going to text you right back. Click the link, join the coaching program, and when you do, download the real estate treasure map. Do that first, it's absolute priority. That is your fill in the blank 2021. Business plan. Well, business and life plan. And it goes through every facet of creating a very, essentially it'll be give you your North Star no matter what happens next year. You'll always have something to benchmark your forward progress from. Now, this is not a wimpy business plan. This is, you know, it's a book basically. It's a book with a lot of fill in the blank. Make sure you do this urgently. This is the perfect time to do it. So just text the word survival to 31996. There's obviously a lot of other books and guides that are also available in the coaching program. And one of the best aspects of the coaching program is that you do get um, access to the daily semi-private coaching call. Now I want you to understand this is not the same as our normal coaching program. Frankly, it's not even close. The normal coaching program is so much more in depth. It gives you all the listing presentations, the scripts, the pre-listing packs. It gives you literally every facet that you'll ever need in your real estate business. Every single system, every single everything. But the free coaching call is—I'm sorry—the free coaching program is designed to at least get you moving in the right direction. So go ahead and text the word "survival" to 31996.
1: That's right. And this probably will be a multi-part presentation of these points because there are a lot of them. We're probably going to do the first four, I think, right now. So for those of you who like to take notes, write this down. You must, or put it even more personally, I must list to last. Yep. That is a fact. Okay. So the following points are deceptively simple, but... It's also astonishing how many agents don't follow, and it's probably not just one of them. So what I want you guys to do is maybe put a happy face next to the things that you're doing really right, and then, you know, circle or underline what you know you're guilty of doing wrong, and fix it. And by the way, that's why we have coaching as well. All right, so number one, always pre-qualify. Now, we have a whole section of pre-qualifying rules, so I'm not going to hover there too much, but recognize that there are pre-qualification scripts because you're always going to ask your buyers and sellers the same questions. Questions about, you know, why are they moving? What's their situation? Are they buying and selling? Are they talking to other agents? What's their time frame? Their motivation? What price won't they go below? All of these things. And we did do a podcast called Don't Go If You Don't Know, which covers all of these things. So number one was always pre-qualify. Number two, never go to an appointment. And I, I think we we just uh, covered that. I've made that into all one point. Never go to an appointment when you don't know the price the seller has in mind. The motivation for the move and the prospect's ideal time frame. Well, why is that? What do you care?
0: Well, so, but you guys are wondering, how would you possibly know what the seller thought the property was worth? Because in our pre-qualifying script that <laughs> we know you is yeah. part of the listing process, we give you the exact questions to ask to determine what the seller thinks the house is worth. Why is that important? Well, because you know exactly what the seller thinking in terms of price. And yes, you're going to get a lot of cases where the seller is going to try to be cagey about telling you what the price is. But we've written scripts in such a way that they'll end up telling you what they think the price is. And that gives you, again, indication as to what, what you're walking into. And there's there's... There's nothing wrong – like I'll tell you guys right now in a seller's market like this, most sellers are going to have an overinflated sense of value for their properties. And if the seller has, I would say, a 7 out of 10 on the motivation scale, which again we teach you how to do in the coaching program, take the listing anyway. Because even if it's overpriced, your CMA, it might – even if the CMA, the comps are just from 60 days ago, they could very well be irrelevant because the market is changing so fast because there's increase in demand for properties, which is amazing considering what time of year it is.
1: Yes. Now, that assumes that that seller is fairly motivated. Well, 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10, right? Yeah. And that also, that particular coaching you just went through is for this type of market. That, right. that will change as the market changes. Important
0: what Julie just said. In a buyer's market or a transitioning market, if we experience that next year, then we're going to have to be more rigid about our pricing rules. But in a market like this, where pretty much anything sells itself, um, you have to take the listing, even if the seller's not like hugely motivated, moderately motivated, a 7 out of 10, an average motivated seller, if it means you have to overprice it slightly to be competitive. Take the listing anyway.
1: Yeah, maybe you need to do one price reduction in two weeks if it doesn't go right away with multiple offers. But you know what? It's probably still going to sell.
0: I will give you guys yeah. a script with that because I don't want you to misunderstand what we're yeah. saying. We're not telling you to lie to the seller to get the no. listing. And here's in the case where the seller has aspirational expectations of their pricing you guys like how I said that (laughs) you know here's the script that you use Mr. Seller now that I've seen the house I appreciate the fact that you feel the house is worth more than what the market might be telling us And I, you know, and I can see why you think that it's a terrific, it's a fantastic property and a very dynamic market like what we're experiencing right now. You might very well be right. So let's do this. Let's go ahead and uh, list the house, at the the price that you'd like to. And then after two weeks or 10 showings, adjust accordingly, you know, depending on your market, but don't go much beyond 30 days, you know, so it might be, you know, 10 showings or 30 days or, but Julie and I like two weeks or 10 showings. Whichever comes first, Mr. Seller, after there if there's if we don't have a written verified offer after two weeks or ten showings, let's agree that we'll reposition the house. Uh, appropriately or reposition the house correctly to, cr- to correctly reflect the uh, buyer's expectations. I did not say lower the price. Mr. Seller, we're going to reposition the house to correctly reflect the buyer or the market's expectation. That is not the same as saying lower the price. Lower the price pisses sellers off. This all goes back to skills. This goes back to scripts. This is what we teach you in the coaching program.
1: That's right. So it's all about how you say it. You're still saying, you know, reduce the price, but you're not saying it in such a way that makes the sellers pissed at you. Okay. All right. So number one Or want to fire you. Or want to fire you, which is even worse. All right. Number three, always, and I mean always, send your pre-listing package. No exceptions. Not having one is unacceptable. Having different rules for who gets one or who doesn't get one is inefficient and unacceptable. Using what your company pumps out for you. Might be good stuff, but it's exactly like the no, person whose office no. is next to. You. Let's let's not be nice here. I have stuff.
0: never seen you know essentially <laughs> yeah. institutionalized pre listing material that yeah. was good stuff. It's no, always garbage. The content
1: is. I mean, sometimes it, it has like a kind of slick presentation, but the content yeah. is terrible. Lots
0: of pictures, words that don't mean anything, like popping out the t- company history and yeah. you know whatever, whatever. They don't know the sellers don't care. So our pre listing pack here's what it is. It's all about risk reversals. Our pre-listing pack, how many pages is it, you remember?
1: Um, 16.
0: 16 pages, and the pages are indexed like a waterfall on both sides of a folder, and each of the pages is clearly marked what it is uh, supposed to be for. Here's the mistake that agents, well, salespeople in general, but agents in particular, make. They do not ask the seller what's important to them when they're considering hiring an agent for the job of selling their home. They just go in there and just sort of, you know, puke all over uh, of the kitchen table, talking about, you know, all these sort of things that have nothing to do with what the seller was truly interested in. So the point of, and and that leaves you in a position where you're going to have to defend commission, defend price, where you're going to have to answer all these sort of bizarre questions that sellers occasionally think of at
1: the end of your presentation, which they were not paying attention to because they were holding on to their objections for the end.
0: Because you are boring them to tears and they're trying to be polite. Okay. That's a typical listing presentation right there. So we teach you in the coaching program and part of the pre-listing pack, part of the listing process is the pre-listing pack. We created this pre-listing pack. So a brand new agent whose license number has yet to dry on their license, you know, it if it were still printed, which I know it's not. It's a joke, people, that they would be able to take a listing. So when you open the pre-listing pack, when you're a coaching client, we give you this pre-listing pack. We show you how to personalize it so it's all your information. We tell you exactly what to say to present every page, but you don't have to learn how to present 16 different pages because what you'll discover is the sellers will tell you what they're interested in. A listing presentation, when you follow our system, will have virtually no stress in it will have no points of contention in it because the pre-listing pack will have answered all the sellers' questions prior to you getting there. Sellers that maybe, you know, questions that maybe the sellers wouldn't even have thought to ask, they're all answered. So when you're there, the process that we teach you as the actual listing appointment is easy. It's basically touring the house and with a red recorder and doing, doing a we of pricing. Doing what we call a sharpie close. But you've got to follow podcast listeners who are coaching clients, follow the process exactly. Do not, this is not your opportunity to be creative. Do not take our pre-listing pack and change it and think you know better. You do not. Do not change anything that we have in the pre-listing pack. Copy it. Use it. Apply it. Say the things exactly like we tell you to say them in the scripts in the training that we give you as part of the coaching program, and then you will have consistent results because this system that we have has been tested everywhere in every market condition in every price range. It is used all over the country. I suppose in other parts of the world too. And the pre-listing pack, if you follow our system, is going to get the listing for you. Probably, I mean, and I mean that in the literal sense. Because when you walk in there, assuming you don't make a fool of yourself and you know, you show up on time and you do the basic things correctly, you walk in there and they've looked at the pre-listing pack. They're, you're going to have answered all their toughest questions and then at that point, it's just it's your game to lose because your competitors won't have had a, a system as refined as yours because of the fact you followed our system. You need to remember that. That is critical. and I'm trying to be really direct with you guys so that you understand when you join our coaching program, don't change the content because it's proven to work and you don't know better. I know a lot of you are creative. I know a lot of you think you need to get into this business to express yourself from some egotistical perspective, but that's not how you're going to be a successful long-term. The way you're going to be successful long-term is you focus on being of service to other people. And, by, and that's what our pre-listing pack is all about. It's focusing on making the seller feel less stressful because you've pre-answered all their questions prior to you getting there.
1: That's right. So you said some important stuff there. You're talking about answering their questions. Remember, the definition of an objection is an unanswered question in the mind of the seller. So when you're talking about answering their questions, you're really talking about knocking out all the potential objections before you even walk in the door. It is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Why do sellers ask you to reduce your commission? Because they don't know what else to ask to lower the, you know, to level the playing field. It's that in price. And that's where you end up defending yourself walking out the door. For example,
0: the pre listing, yeah. I mean, the commission's one of them, right? For sure. But there's communications guarantee, there's the easy exit listing, there's the testimonials. commissions. There's testimonials, there's the giving back page. you show your the, marketing page? The marketing page, there's the technology page. It's all there. It's, it's usually liter-
1: when you walk in, they don't even have any objections left, Exactly, assuming they read what's in there. Right. I mean, and,
0: and you're supposed to call before you go on the appointment and confirm they read the well, list. Now pack. you're stepping on my point. So, okay, sorry. Okay, number four, <laughs> which
1: you mentioned in, in passing there be on time for the appointment. I've said that this list is simple. Early is on time, on time is late, and late means you lose. People do pay attention, and some people are really very. Uh, I remember we went to a listing presentation Many. once. I mean, I, the one that sticks out, that they had a legal pad and there were two or three agents before us and they literally wrote down, Bob Smith, 508. And you knew his appointment was at five, right? So to that seller, they're, they're late, you know? So people do, it, I think it shows respect for the other person's totally. time. And you don't know what else is going on in their world. It's better for you anyway, because if they're leaving for a soccer practice in an hour and a half, don't start off by well, being late.
0: Jules, Joel's a pre-listing pack shows respect too. Absolutely. Because what you're doing is you're removing... These sellers are not used to having a salesperson in their house, usually in the evening when they'd much rather be doing something else, right? You are an imposition. You are a monster in their den. They do not want yeah. you there. They do not want to feel your stress. They do not want to hear you talk about yourself. They do not want those egotistical experiences that are typically what listing agents essentially force upon sellers. So if you send a pre-listing pack and you've removed all the stress from the room by answering all their questions before you get there, you will get the listing just because you changed the experience from the other agents and you'll be perceived as more professional.
1: Yeah, that's, that's for sure. So here's a, probably our last point for today, and then we'll do the rest next week. Number five, have the best pre-listing package. It's not enough. We're talking about the PLP, the pre-listing package. Okay, it's not enough to just have one. A lot of them listening right now are like, oh, well, they don't really use that in my market. I'll just use what my company uses. I'll be the only one. Yeah, you're wrong about that. Trust me when I tell you. You might not see what those other agents are doing, but so not just have a pre-listing package, it's got to be one that absolutely kicks butt. Like and you, d- you did
0: mention this before, but you've yeah. got to follow the system. And this is mostly for coaching clients. What you guys do is you get, uh, you know, you start out by getting overconfident, then you get cocky and then you lose business and because yeah. you stop... You know, essentially following these points. You stop pre qualifying, you stop confirming, you stop sending the pre listing pack, you stopped asking all the questions when you're pre qualifying. You modified the, the uh, PLP. And you'd
1: have different rules. You know, if they're in your center of influence, well, you don't have to bother with sending a right. PLP because you got it in the bag.
0: Right. You start being sloppy. You broke away from essentially following a proven system because you got a little complacent because you now begin to think that you're getting these listings because of you. Oh, they're listing with me because I'm such a real estate badass. They're listing because of the value you represented from what you presented to them in the pre-listing pack. And so this is a special message for those of you who've been with us for a long time. Do not break away from following the provable system.
1: That's right. So I think that's a good place to stop for now. That's a lot to chew on. So homework for everyone is to ask yourself, do you always pre-qualify? And maybe you do, but are you using a script? Is it working for you? Um, Are you never going to an appointment when you don't know the price the seller has in mind, the motivation, the prospect's ideal time frame? Do you know all of those things for sure? Are you using a kick-ass pre-listing package? The answer is either yes or no. If it's no, get help with that. That's what we're here for. Are you always on time for your appointments? Even if it's a Zoom meeting, are you on time? Or do you tend to be chronically late? I mean, there's there's people that just accept that, uh, you know. So let me matter. ask you.
0: Let me ask you this mm-hmm. question. We sure. get this question a ton, right? Mm-hmm. It's a good question too. Okay. So if you had a choice when you're, if you know you're competing for a listing appointment and they're interviewing three agents, which is still what brokers do or yeah, sellers do, where would you put yourself in the roster? Of last. Pe- last. If you, but now here's the problem. If you're going to, and I agree with Julie, you want to be last. And, but the thing is you got, and we teach you how to do this in the uh, coaching in program the in the script. We have, you want to, if you choose to go last, if you have that, you know, the seller will let you go last. You want to make sure the seller won't list with somebody else prior to you. And that's the risk you run if if you choose to go last, that someone's going to be a strong closer and get the listing away from you.
1: Which is why you ask not just, are you speaking with other agents, but how did you arrive at those names to interview?
0: Right. And we give you scripts because what you'll discover is sometimes the sellers don't really want to interview three agents I mean, none of them do. Crazy pe- Fizbos, occasionally. Occasionally, you, yeah. you, know, you know, the <laughs> three the, or more. The, yeah, the rat yeah, was the rea- what is it, rabid. The rabid <laughs> Fizbos, right? They might want to interview a bunch of people, but the reality yeah. of it is, is they don't. They don't want to interview. They don't want you in the house, well, especially
1: it, during COVID.
0: Right. You know. And so we we tell you how to make give the seller permission to basically only interview you provided you answer all their questions this is all part of the coaching program again guys this is basically you having an unfair advantage in the marketplace which is what you'll need because our competitors aren't just coming from the broker next door anymore our competitors are coming from you know towns far far away in the form of these ibuyer tech companies so you're going to have to be more professional than you maybe have ever been at anything in your entire life but guess what you can do it. It's not that hard. And once you get the basics down, and once you start, you know, replicating the right thing to do every single time, and then you move from, you know, the different phases of mastery. You learn from the, you move from the unconscious incompetence to the conscious incompetence. Now you start moving to the conscious competence phase, and that's where we all want all of you guys to get. And that's only going to come from you following a duplicatable system. This is called being a professional. Remember, if you're not part of the free coaching program, please remember that you can just uh, text the uh, word survival to 31996. And also, please remember, Julie and I do want all of you guys to join us at eXp Realty. Um, I know a lot of you are joining. I mean, frankly, it's a lot that are joining and having Julie and I um, you know, be their sponsors. If we have been the most influential on in helping you guys join eXp, I'd really love the opportunity to speak with you directly so I can help you over the threshold and you can join Julie and I at eXp Realty. You can be part of our eXp Realty group. Um, which is something I want to I'm really frankly excited to share with all of you. So if you're ready to move forward and you're looking to make the right change, the smart change into the new year, do seriously consider joining Julianite EXP. The easiest way to do that is just text me directly at 512-758-0206. That is my cell phone number, 512-758-0206, and I will text you back and we will have a conversation about EXP Realty. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day, and I'll talk with you on the show tomorrow.